This is KDX In-Depth. I'm Rob Archer. And I'm Larry Perel sitting in today for Charles Feldman. Hamas launches a massive sneak attack on Israel. We will go in-depth on what has been the largest and deadliest attack on Israel since the 1948 uh, incursion. War there and Israel's response. We'll also look at what this means for the entire region and the intelligence failure that left Israel unprepared. We'll also hear from both the Palestinian perspective on events and the Israeli view of things. We start, though, with the latest on the ground there. Stuart Schnee is a former spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces. He's speaking to us live his Monday night now from Beit Shemesh, a suburb between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Good evening to you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks Thanks for joining us. Uh, first, uh, are you safe at this hour? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we all, all Israeli apartments um, since 1990 have been built with um, bomb shelters inside due to the threat of missiles. So we're safe. Okay, great. Um, you, we have heard reports, uh, certainly that Israel has led a siege in Gaza and that Hamas has stated that any attacks, further attacks by Israel in that area will prompt the terrorist organization to start executing some of these hostages. As a former soldier uh, with the Israeli Defense Forces and now retired spokesman for that organization, what happens now? You know, it's a good question. It seems to me that, first of all, the world reaction has been quite um, quite heartening. You know, the EU um, is saying that they're, they're holding back funding from Palestinian causes right now. They're, they're kind of reviewing how their money is being used. And I think if the whole world joins together in co- condemning this kind of behavior, there's hope for getting these kidnapped, you know, men, women. They kidnapped elderly people. They've gotten kids and toddlers. Um, in one case, they killed the parents of one toddler and took the toddler. So this poor toddler now is being held by a terror organization or is no, known as Hamas. So if the world condemns them enough, I believe that maybe, just maybe, you know, there's a way to get them out um, without them being hurt. I just, I don't know. You know, we're not dealing with kind of logical Western democratic kind of thinking here. And that's going to be the trick for the defense forces, uh, given your knowledge of them, being able to uh, separate out between, you know, civilians and, and, and innocent bystanders and the people who are carrying out these attacks uh, through Hamas. Uh, is there a concern about that? Is there a tactic involved? I know you don't want to go into d- details about it, but is there that thinking in the defense forces? Uh, yeah, 100%. The Israeli army actually... Um, has been sending out um, text messages um, telling Palestinians where they can run to. Of course, Hamas today came out with um, messages saying, well, that's fake news. Don't go there. You know, so I don't know what uh, who who the Palestinian people on the ground believe. But Israel does try to avoid killing civilians because it, it doesn't. I mean, there's nothing good that comes from that. You know, um, unfortunately, when. Hamas attacks Israel the way it did so brutally on Saturday, um, killing, you know, we're up to, I think, over 800 people. I just read there's a a town, a small little village called Be'eri, and they killed 10 percent of the people who live there. Um, In 9-11, 3,000 or maybe 3,400 people died. And I think comparing that to Israel would be something like 24,000 people here would have died in one day. It's, it's, It's just nuts. So there, there is a concern. Israel surely doesn't want to hurt civilians, but I think it, Hamas makes it extremely difficult to not hurt civilians when they place their themselves and their, you know, their army. It's really an army in civilian neighborhoods and in civilian buildings. 
You know, um, you know one, one, one looming question uh, is the breakdown in intelligence and why Israel seemingly knew nothing about the planned attack. Uh, an article in The Atlantic said uh, that the use of motorized paragliders, drones, and the taking of hostages required months uh, of planning and training that only Iran and Hezbollah could have provided uh, that. And late yesterday, a Hamas spokesperson told the BBC that Iranian support for the assault was a point of pride. How do you respond to that? How did Israel not know uh, about this? Well, I think there's two responses. One is right now to fight and fight like we mean it and to win, okay? And on the other hand, we are a democracy and the government's, you know, the people who are in power now, I mean, there's laws here, you know, just like there are in the United States. Emails sent on behalf of the government are kept and recorded and the minutes taken at government meetings, et cetera. And this kind of stuff will be brought, maybe there'll be a committee, you know, some kind of um, state uh, committee of, um, you know, inquiry. You know, we're a democracy. You've got to look into this stuff. And I think some people may really pay with their heads. There may be elections. When, when those new elections will be, I don't know. But people who are currently in power could pay with, with their jobs. And so it's a terrible, terrible thing that happened that we, we didn't know Um and uh, someone's going to pay for it. But right now, Hamas has to pay. They have to pay for their crimes against humanity. But Israel as a democracy will also make sure that our leaders pay, you know, uh, those who are, you know, who didn't do their jobs, if that's indeed the case. This is what happened after the 73 war. There's this movie now that's popular in the States called, you know, Golda. And after the 73 war, there were also, you know, uh, committees of inquiry and and. People were um, people resigned from their jobs due to their lack of, um, you know, really carrying out what they should have done All right. in, in terms of intelligence. Thank you, Stuart Schnee, a former spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces, uh, talking to us from Israel. So coming up uh, in uh, just a couple of minutes here on KNX In-Depth, as horrible and shocking as the Hamas attacks on Israeli civilians might have been, it could be just the start of a much wider and more destructive conflict in the Middle East. You are listening to KNX In-Depth with Rob Archer. I'm Larry Perel in for Charles Feldman. Still ahead, we'll get a Palestinian perspective on the violence and what comes next for the residents of Gaza. And right now, though, could a war between Hamas and Israel soon involve other countries like Lebanon, Syria, and even Iran and the United States? We're going to be hearing from two experts who know the Middle East very well. Joseph Westfall, now at the University of Pennsylvania Lauder Center, but before that he served as U.S. Ambassador to Saudi Arabia. And Carol Raleigh Flynn is president of the Foreign Policy Research Institute. Before that, she served for 30 years in the CIA. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so first question up, why is this strip of land, Gaza, so pivotal? Joseph, you uh, take that one. Well, it is pivotal. It's been a, a site of tremendous conflict over the years. And of course, it's a highly populated, densely populated area. And it houses one of the um, most uh, toughest and, and, and uh, biggest uh, terrorist organizations in Hamas. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a source of destabilization for not only Israel, but for the, for the whole region. 
And uh, Carol Raleigh Flynn used to be with the CIA. I imagine there are things you know that if you told us, you would have to kill us. Uh, but I did want to ask you a question at the risk of sounding like it's a conspiracy theory. I think it is a real question. Uh, if Iran, uh, if Iran did help with the planning of this and Putin has been cozying up to Iran, is there a Russian hand in this? And not to say that Putin is behind every tree and every bush, but this does help Putin in taking attention off of Ukraine, doesn't it? Uh, well, perhaps this doesn't certainly doesn't uh, bode well for U.S. Uh, continued support of Ukraine. Or I, I, I don't think it poses huge risks, but certainly um, it it um, diverts our attention for the moment from our support of Ukraine. Um, to 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 answer the specific question, whether uh, Putin actually was involved in the planning of this. I certainly don't know that. Um, I, I would hope our intelligence or security community would know that, but um, I, I do not. I think one of the, the greatest questions that's been raised is that of intelligence failure with, uh, with Israel. How could they fail to notice this? And uh, my take on that is that it was less an intelligence failure than a failure to take it, take into account the intelligence they had, which included, if the reports are to be believed, that Hamas was actively conducting practice and maneuvers uh, uh, just right across the border under their noses, but they didn't take it seriously. So to me, it sounds like a, a supreme case of groupthink that they just needed to check their assumptions. Joseph, this is for you. According to several sources, uh, the U.S. is making progress uh, toward a landmark agreement that could see Saudi Arabia normalize relations with Israel. It's a complex deal uh, that would reportedly be in exchange for a U.S. defense pact and help for Saudi Arabia to develop its own nuclear program. Many have said leaving Gaza out of these uh, talks was a mistake and also helped to light the match on this most recent attack. What's your response to that? I think I think that you're right. I mean, I think I think we we were getting closer and closer to a possible diplomatic relationship between Israel and Saudi Arabia. I think this is going to make it very difficult right now. Uh, this this whole situation is is causing a major destabilization in the region. And just to add to what Raleigh just said, I, I believe I believe that Iran is very deep into this. I don't think that they ordered it or something like that on the ability to do that. But they supply the weapons. They were in on this in the sense that members of Hamas were traveling uh, to Lebanon and from Lebanon meeting with uh, um, uh, Iranian officials. So I think they're deeply into this. And to them, this fits the pattern of destabilizing, of keeping this kind of situation happening with Saudi Arabia and, and, uh, and uh, Israel. And they're also, they're also uh, I think, uh, benefiting from the tremendous political uh, division that is happening in Israel, much like the division that were happening here. You know, we need to pay attention how these things affect our our foreign policy. Uh, so I, I think that Iran is behind this, and I think that they're benefiting. They did this in Yemen. They did this in Syria. They've done it in Lebanon. Um, they're doing it there as well.
All right, our guest right now, Joseph Westfall at the University of Pennsylvania Louder Center. Before that was U.S. Ambassador to Saudi Arabia, Carol Raleigh Flynn, uh, used to be with the CIA, currently president of the Foreign Policy Research Institute. We're going to continue with our guests in the next segment and going to be talking about some other issues involving this war in Israel, too. Stay tuned. You're listening to KX In-Depth with Larry Perel. I'm Rob Archer. At the end of today's In-Depth, we will hear directly from Israel's government when we talk with the Israeli Council General stationed right here in Los Angeles. And right now, though, we're looking at the uh, broader implications of the war in Israel today and whether or not uh, this could expand. Other countries, including the U.S., might get involved. Joseph Westfall is at the University of Pennsylvania. Before that was U.S. Ambassador to Saudi Arabia. Carol Raleigh Flynn, I understand goes by Raleigh, is president of the Foreign Policy Research Institute. Before that, spent 30 years in the CIA. Uh, Raleigh, we just completed a uh, prisoner swap with Iran. And if Iran mm-hmm. was involved in the planning of this, obviously that's that's going to change our perspective on this. Uh, there were some assets that either were or were going to be unfrozen. And there were some political attacks on the president on this front because, uh, you know, they're saying, well, uh, Biden funded this uh, with this money. Uh, First of all, we all want to point out the facts here is that the money was Iranian money that had been frozen. And uh, there were some preconditions put on the use of that money. Has that money been transferred yet? And if not, could it be stopped? Uh, To my knowledge, I do not know whether it's been transferred or not. However, Certainly, uh, I think this is problematic for the administration. It uh, raises some questions about, and I don't mean to be political, but I'm sure there will be questions raised by the opposition on uh, why exactly uh, we made that deal with the Iranians. There's always questions about why you negotiate with terrorists. And and these were terrorists. Uh, well, perhaps not terrorists, but they were, they were folks who were taken unlawfully. Um, so that to me is the biggest question. It's a political one and what the impact will be on the Biden administration and what the odds are for any kind of further dealings with the Iranians. I can only guess that the Iranians knew full well that this attack was was coming and on uh, on Gaza or across the Gaza Strip and um, that they um, timed timed it just to happen before this attack. So knowing that, Joseph, uh, how likely is a diplomatic solution? I mean, you've got hostages that are being used as chips now uh, by Hamas. And other than chance of death to Israel, which echoed from what I hear yesterday throughout Iran's parliament, uh, what is it that Hamas wants? Or is it ultimately to get sanctions lifted and grant independence to Gaza? Well, I think I think they, uh, you know, they, they want to destabilize Israel. They want to defeat Israel in a, in a, in 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 a variety of different ways, not, not militarily, but in, in ways in which they undermine the stability of the country. Uh, I think you're going to have some efforts to, to, to fix this. The uh, Arab League is supposed to meet to tomorrow, I believe, in Cairo. So that's all the, the uh, foreign ministers of all the Arab countries are going to meet to try to see what they can, how they can help to, to, to solve this or to reduce some of the tension. Um, Jerusalem continues to be a, f- a flashpoint on this. Anything could happen there, which would really escalate the situation. Um, you know, the 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 fact that the um, the Palestinian Authority in uh, 
is is you know not as aggressive as it's been in the past that's that's also motivating Hamas to be more aggressive to undermine them because they are also an enemy of of Hamas so there's just a lot of tension everywhere and i think the people who instigate these things like iran uh like the uh, islamic jihadists uh, groups in in uh, in gaza and uh, and hamas and others are are looking to continue this destabilization that would that would would uh undermine israel in in the long run and undermine the west the uh european community is also talking about possibly stopping development aid to to gaza and so you got a couple of million people there that are really going to suffer through this because of the leadership of this terrorist organization but i have to but i have to ask you though isn't independence the goal for Palestinians there? Well, uh, I, a Palestinian state of some sort, but they're at conflict with the other huge entity uh, in um, in the uh, Palestinian Authority, you know, in, and and so you have, you know, in the West Bank. So you have you have these two large areas, well, one large area in, in, in Gaza who are at odds with each other about the nature of a Palestinian state. And then, of course, you, you've got Israel that has done all these things to uh, augment uh, settlements and, and, and make a Palestinian state situation very difficult to happen. So uh, I think this is really not about that. I think this is much more about destabilization, conflict um, and, you know, down and out hatred and, and just, you know, um, real, real antipathy for each other. Uh, Joseph and uh, Carol, both of you, very quickly as we run out of time here, is there a chance the United States gets involved directly? Well, I think we are involved. I mean, I think we, you know, we, we're certainly as in as in uh, military Israelis. action is what I mean. Well, we are. We well, in this sense, we we've sent our we sent a, a carrier group, the, the General R Ford, is now going into the Mediterranean to provide support. Uh, whether we're going to launch uh, jets and in, in, in support of any missions, that's what remains to be seen. Um, my guess is I don't see boots on the ground, but I agree completely with the ambassador that there will be uh, logistics and intelligence support. All right, and, and assets moved to the region. All right, thank you both very much for joining us, Joseph Westfall, with the uh, used to be the U.S. ambassador to Saudi Arabia, Carol Raleigh Flynn, spent 30 years in the CIA. Thank you for joining us today. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to get the Palestinian view of events in Israel that threatened to spin out of control. You are listening to KNX In-Depth with Rob Archer. I'm Larry Perel sitting in today for Charles Feldman. There are about uh, 2 million Palestinians packed into an area about the size of Washington, D.C., living under terrible economic conditions. But these attacks are sure to make things worse for them. Youssef Munayar is uh, head of the Palestine-Israel program at the Arab Center of Washington, D.C., before that executive director of the U.S. Campaign for Palestinian Rights. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so many issues here to get uh, to kind of get through in just a, an hour-long program today. We're going to try our best to, to touch on the important things. And one of the important things is, as I mentioned, the economic uh, distress there in the Gaza Strip. What does Hamas hope to gain 
for Palestinians in the region and in Gaza by carrying out this attack. The end game, it doesn't seem to be like uh, Palestinian statehood would be the ultimate outcome of this. If anything, it's going to set any efforts to those ends back. What do you think is the is the goal here? You know, I, I really appreciate you having me on to have this conversation. I, I do feel, though, that in this moment, um, it's it's not a moment for normal analysis uh, as what is about to happen in Gaza is going to be a level of uh, destruction uh, and likely mass atrocity uh, of the kind that we have not seen before uh, as Israel bombards a tiny um, place, as you said, the size of, of Washington, D.C., about 25 miles by two miles wide. Uh, where the vast majority of people living there are women and children. Uh, Again, the majority of them refugees from towns and villages outside of Gaza to which they are denied return, Uh, the vast majority of which reliant on international aid organizations for daily sustenance, uh, an economic situation that is destitute, um, a population most of which is under 18 that has lived through a series of bombardments previously every other year uh, and has never known a day of freedom. I am happy to to talk to you at most times about the political implications of all of this and um, what it means for uh, this government or that. Um, But but in this moment, I I think it's important that people understand that we are uh, we are on the verge of of witnessing something uh, extremely gruesome. Um, and barbaric uh, that uh, is going to make the kind uh, of horrific scenes that we have already seen uh, seem small in comparison. And it's going to be uh, our weapons here in the United States that are enabling that. Of course, political support uh, from our government that's making that happen. And I I think that is... um, uh, perhaps the most important thing in this moment. Look, I, I would have to agree with you that nobody wants to see anybody, innocent civilians, uh, mothers, children, uh, fathers, uh, relatives dragged into something like this. Is recognizing Israel, though, by the Saudis seen as a betrayal by the Palestinians and people who support statehood? Well, you know, the Saudis haven't done that yet, of course. There are in negotiations um, uh, with the United States, not with Israel at this time, uh, or were at least prior to these events, uh, to normalize their ties with Israel. Um, But of course, uh, this is dangerous not because of what Palestinians think about it alone. Of course, Palestinians are opposed to anybody normalizing what Israel is doing to them. Um, But this is also opposed by the majority of people in Saudi Arabia and the majority of people throughout the rest of the Arab world, including in countries that have relations with Israel. Uh, You know, the very dangerous thing, I think, about uh, this entire effort to normalize relations between Israel and some of these Arab states um, has been, first, uh, that it uh, de-emphasizes the centrality of the issue of Palestine in the region and is based on this false idea that somehow you can create peace and stability without addressing the issue of Palestine. I think that, um, you know, that notion uh, has been utterly obliterated in the last uh, several days as the uh, Palestinian issue has clearly reasserted its centrality in the region as an issue that can destabilize. 
but also it's incredibly dangerous because what it amounts to at the end of the day is the United States making deals, particularly arms deals, uh, with uh, dictators and autocrats throughout the Middle East who are acting in direct opposition to public sentiment in their country um, so that these regimes can have ties with Israel. That might be a way of making arms deals and making weapons manufacturers a little bit richer, but that's not how you make peace. Peace needs to be made between people, um, and it can't be made between people until their concerns and their valid grievances are addressed. And for people throughout the Arab world, they're looking at what Palestinians are going through, what they have been going through for 75 years, uh, and they will not feel comfortable uh, making peace with Israel or normalizing what Israel is doing to Palestinians until that's addressed. All right. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, giving us the Palestinian view of things. Youssef Maniyar uh, is head of the Palestine-Israel program at the Arab Center of Washington, D.C., also uh, used to be the executive director of the U.S. Campaign for Palestinian Rights. All right. You can find the UKNX In-Depth podcast on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Coming up next, we hear directly from the Israeli government. You're listening to KNX in Death. I'm Rob Archer, along with Larry Perel. And there could also be a growing political crisis for Benjamin Netanyahu's government over the massive intelligence failure that led up to the Hamas sneak attack. Israel Bakar is Israel's consul general to the U.S. Pacific Southwest. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, I want to uh, read a quote f uh, from the New York Times about an editorial that was published uh, in the Israeli newspaper Haaretz, came out just the other day, uh, which argued that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu completely failed to identify the dangers he was consciously leading Israel into when establishing a government of annexation and dispossession. Uh, what is your response to that? First of all, uh, I agree with the criticism or with this notion. Second, I'm a diplomat, so I cannot really give you a full analysis of the Israeli politics, and I do understand Israeli politics very well. Um, but what I can say right now that Israel is um, in the midst of a war. People currently are being massacred and their bodies brutalized. As we speak, people are running away. The army is trying to locate um, the terrorists who are running in the street and still killing people. We're just in the middle of it, in the midst of it. It's um, not a simple situation. And I think the time will come for inquiry to check where there were mistake, who failed, who did right, who did wrong. It's not a time right now or any time of war. First of all, we need to win militarily. We need to strengthen the people. We need to unite. And after that, the time of asking the hard question will come and we will do so like we did in the previous wars. What does a win look like to you? What is the what, sorry? What does a win look like to you? What is that what yeah. is that what is that made of? The win, first of all, is to restore security to the Israeli cities. That's number one. All terrorists inside Israel inside Israel will be shot or being in jail, one or the other. No, there's no other choice. That's one. Two, we'll not let Hamas keep ammunition and keep its capacity to create rockets and missiles against Israel or bombing or bombs. That's number two. Number third, the international community will eventually need to understand that the Hamas regime cannot keep control uh, civilians under a terrorist rule and under a jihadist uh, mentality and philosophy without election, without any moral values or, or under any 
none of democratic uh, principles or values. Uh, there is no excuse for war crimes. I think the most of the reasonable world would uh, agree with that position. Uh, so no one is making an excuse for war crimes, but there is also an understanding of anger is what drives this. And groups like Hamas, who, who apparently want to use uh, terrorism and sneak attacks to further their goals, are going to take advantage of that anger. Uh, how in the world... Can that problem ever be solved? Let's move on from, let's say that this does not go on for too much longer. Uh, Israel is victorious. Uh, it brings uh, the leaders of Hamas to justice. There are going to be other groups who are going to take advantage of the anger that many Palestinians feel. And then also the growing anger on the other side because of these attacks. It's like this never-ending cycle. Is there any way out of this? Is there any thinking in Israel of, of how to get out of this cycle of hatred and rage and violence? Yes, definitely. Let, let's look at the region for a second. We were about to move a peace process deal with Saudi Arabia when the Americans are doing a great job in mediating and uh, pushing uh, the two sides to move to a peace process. Now, a peace with Saudi Arabia has a huge effect in the region and worldwide. Why? Because Saudi Arabia is basically represented, representing the moderate Islam version of Islam, and, and such a deal would um, decrease the tension between Islam in Judaism, we don't have attention with Islam, of course, but, and I think that's the best answer to all the extremists and the terrorists who wants to derail the Middle East into chaos. We are a peace-loving country. We just had four peace treaties in the last few years with our countries in the Gulf states with the mediation of the Americas, and we have a lot of good words to say to the Americans that basically help us to uh, nail down the disagreements. Our big next peace negotiation, peace agreement it's with Saudi Arabia, and we were in the middle of doing it. So I think that Iran here get into the game when it's orchestrating this massive attack of the Hamas against Israel. One of the reasons for it, it's in order to derail the peace process that was already undertaken and taking force forward. Uh, let me interrupt you very quickly before we run out of time. I wanted to ask you, because you brought up Iran, uh, if it is uh, shown and can be proven that Iran was behind the planning of this, uh, what kind of retaliation uh, can Iran expect from Israel? Well, retaliation necessarily uh, has to be militarily. It's going to sort of be uh, international diplomacy. But uh, I cannot comment militarily what we're going to do or what we are doing now or what we did even before. Israel is operating, whoever needs to know now, Israel is operating constantly in the region in order to strengthen our security and to prevent atrocities against us or the nuclear armament of the Iranian regime, which is our our top, top, top security priority in our diplomatic efforts. So it, we will not let Iran uh, um, slaughter people in Israel and they're going to live in peace. Um, they will definitely will understand that we're going to rally the international community against it and we're going to stay fast and stay strong in our borders, not to let Iran make our life harder than they are right now. All right. Israel Bakar is uh, Israel's consul general to the U.S. Pacific Southwest. That's going to do it for uh, Canics in Death today. Larry Perel sitting in for uh, Charles Feldman today. I'm Rob Archer. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m.